All right. Well, that is actually the the theme of the the thing we're going to start talking about. And it, I know there is nobody in this room that doesn't believe that Jesus is in us and with us and that we're in Him. Uh, John fourteen twenty, Tim. We all believe that. You know, I mean that's that's a revelation. But I I do think that uh, that we may not approach it as the objective reality that I think it might be. And, and it was one of the main things that I, I ended up feeling throughout the, uh, or encountering throughout the sabbatical, was that the Lord was just much more real than I thought. So also, there's another thing going on here. How many of you have a set of notes? Okay, and I, I know it's three pages, but that's because two and a half of them are the, uh, are the scriptures that we're going to talk about tonight. And so I'm going to start something um, not too long ago, or actually, no, a year ago. Uh, Ronnie bought a URL called joylandcommunity.com. And we have an advertising site called Kajabi that we used when, Dave, you did the radio spots and you were Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> and it was awesome. And we had it set up for that and for the idea of questionable church. We haven't really taken full advantage of it. This particular site is designed to interact with Facebook, social media, reach out and, with people and stuff like that. It's got marketing components and everything with it that work out good. We've kept it and paid for it each month, even though we weren't using it really, really uh, uh, diligently. But over the course of the sabbatical again, uh, I, I just was stunned by how valuable all your voices were. In the, in the talks you gave, and the, in the snap talks you gave, and the messages you gave, and so, so we're going to use that site in the name of uh, JoylandCommunity.com to put Jesus in us on display, and the community that He has built among us, small and fun though it is. Um, and so one of the things, one of the other things, as I was contemplating, how do we uh, come and make, keep room going for your thoughts, voices? And, and it's not just your thoughts. I mean, your thoughts are important to, to me and, and to Jesus. It is the reality that Christ is with each of us. And he is doing things. And he is revealing things. And he is saying things. And... Uh, I mentioned to you last week, and I'll say it more often, watching one step removed and realizing that just by not giving an opportunity for you to share things, we miss that, you know? And everybody shares it a little bit at fellowship at breakfast or fellowship after, but we miss that. And uh, so anyway, this is a little bit of a, challenging process to think through, and I'm trying not to overthink through it. So uh, starting as soon as I can get the uh, edits made on the site and, and get it up, one of the other things it allows for is, is real easy changes and additions of things and putting up folders. So what I'm going to try to do is when I have direction for a message or a message series, I'm going to try to write it. And, uh, and, and yeah, before I talk about it, I'm going to try to write it up and put it on, and you guys will all be able to, to go straight to Kajabi, or I can send out a link to that on the text, 
ahead of time and give you a chance so that so that you don't have to be an on the spot super outgoing personality to come up with questions <laughs> because yeah now obviously I wasn't able to do that tonight so you're being confronted with this uh, right away but there really is just a series of scriptures here I'm gonna look through those uh, and and then there's just a couple questions so we'll see how this goes so having written this I'm gonna bore you by reading the first paragraph and you could read along if you want. <laughs> so Jesus made some very strong and unqualified statements about his oneness with us, our union with him, and the objective reality of being united to him and in him. Of course we believe what Jesus said about these realities. None of us would deny that in some way. Jesus is in us and we are in him. But I believe that we attribute many elements of that union, that oneness and that Christ, in Christness, to a mysterious or spiritual form. And I want you to understand, I, I think that's true. I think it is a mystical union because the scripture doesn't just talk about Jesus being in us and with us here in the context of our day. It talks about us being seated in heavenly places with him. It talks about us being raised with him in baptism and all this kind of stuff. So I'm not saying that there's not a big, huge spiritual component to it, but I also think there is a concrete, real-time, objective reality to it as well. And so... None of us would deny that in some way Jesus is with us and we are in him, but I believe we attribute many of these to a mysterious spiritual form, but a form that's so other and so different from being in a literal coexistence together in real-time relationship that the reality of it is reduced to a doctrine or something that we confess. And then we turn to other elements of our spiritual life to try to engage with Jesus. So we, we turn to prayer, and I'm all for prayer. But prayer doesn't have to be an event that starts and ends at a moment if Jesus is literally in you and you're in him. And I just had a conversation about how sometimes as, you, as we've grown in the recognition of the intimacy of Jesus being with us, the prayer times almost feel a little unspiritual. Or you can kind of doubt, God, like, I wish I prayed more. I, I have thousands of pages of dialogue, literally, with Jesus. And there was a season when I was really feeling guilty that I didn't pray enough. And I don't know what I was allowing myself to categorize as prayer. But when you're out in the morning up in the mountains, you know, you, you don't have to amen at the end of every one and, and start on your knees and finish on your, you know, on your feet or whatever. So what I think is that, that we're just, we maybe believe but don't engage the literal coexistence that there is available to us in Christ. And during the sabbatical, Jesus was over and over and over again, he was demonstrating and illustrating with, with interventionary little tiny miracle things and just straight up communication and fun things to say and everything. He was making super clear to me, Larry, I am with you and I love you and I, I delight to be with you. I, I'm, I'm enjoying doing this. And, and you know, in, in John 14, 20, Jesus makes this emphasis in a two-way kind of thing. And we'll look at that in a little tiny bit. But he, uh, he says, in that day, you'll know that I'm in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. And the fact that we're in him means to me that there is a, there's a sense of his presence around us. 
And so I've tried to think of ways that that helps us in, in our everyday life. One, things that are coming at us have to come through Him because we're in Him. But, I, but then the other side, and I'm in you. Well, what does that mean? That means that wherever I go, Jesus has access to those people and those circumstances. And you guys remember in the shack when uh, Matt, <clears throat> Mac was sitting at the table and uh, Sarayu and, and uh, Papa and Jesus were, were uh, around the table and he was going on and on talking about his kids. And he goes, ah, well, what am I doing? You guys know them better than I do. And, and I think it was Sarayu who said, yeah, but we like, to, we like to hear them and see them through your eyes. I think that, that was brilliant. And I think it's true. And I think that, that I think one of the things that we are designed to do, and we learned this when we were studying with, uh, about N.T. Wright's view of image bearing. Do you remember the illustration he used about it being an angled mirror? So that Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were kind of fulfilling that role of the icon in the middle of the garden that reflected the glory of creation at one angle up to God and reflected the glory and love of God out to creation. I think that's something of a pretty good image, at least, of what it means for us to be in him and him to be in us, and, and, and the, the interface that's there. And so then, the uh, uh, <clears throat> anyway, I, I know I'm making assumptions that we don't you know, necessarily th- take this to the depth that it is or believe it that way, but I just want to look through some of these scriptures. And, and, and here's the deal. If after making a case for this by looking at scriptures, we discover that we fall short of believing uh, uh, what, he, what he said and, and need to explore how we, we change that or repent, then, then let's just do that. And then we'll get to the scripture in a minute. But the last little paragraph, this is the conclusion <clears throat> that we're shooting for. We have a choice to make about how we hear and believe the reality of being in Christ and Him being in and with us, in His person or in the person of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot that can be studied that way, uh, as far as you know, the role the Holy Spirit plays in there, uh, the union, the oneness between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In a, in a minute, we'll see a couple of scriptures, if, or you can read, read ahead, see a couple of scriptures there about where Jesus says, "The Father and I are going to come, and we're going to be with you. We're going to make our abode in you." So I don't think it, I don't think we have to be particular about. Is it just Jesus in me? Is it just the Holy Spirit in me? Am I just in Jesus? Am I in the Father? That's, that's barking, barking down the wrong trail. Um, so there's, there's two questions that I'd like to ask. And I'd like us to, to not only, I'm asking you, I've asked myself, but I want us together to ask, ask Father as well. Um, and, and then I want to hear what you think. And like I say, when we get in the habit where these are available more than just before you walk in the door, you'll, you'll get the gist. Of it. You'll have time to think through some of those things. How seriously and how literally should we read, hear, believe, and rely on the possibility that Jesus really is in me and with me every minute, every place, when facing every circumstance of my everyday life right here and now? And I know that is a extended superlative-laden sentence, but I'm trying to... <laughs> force the issue. And then the second question is this. They're on the very back page on the bottom. Very back page on the bottom. I'm sorry. Yes, sorry. Down there where it says in conclusion of this. 
So I'll reread the question again. How seriously and how literally should we read, hear, believe, and rely on the possibility that Jesus is really in me and with me every minute, every place, and when facing every circumstance of my everyday life right here and now? And then, of course, the second question that flows from that is, do I need to upgrade my belief to match the reality? And I would be lying and being disingenuous if I didn't say, I think we do. I think that, like, what, what Jesus had to reinforce to me is I, I am with you in all these things. All the things you're doing, all the building projects, all the storage projects, all the cleaning projects, all the discovery of the old stuff in the boxes from my dad's house and all these kind of things. Just this enormous variety of things. And, uh, and he's with us. And he enjoys being with us. Yeah. When you say upgrade our belief, that may be a portion of it, but possibly is there a way that we might work towards being more aware mm-hmm. of his being with us? I think that's. I think that would be the upgrade of the belief. Kind of the okay. primary. Uh, in other words, yeah, aware or conscious. Like Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten. I really believe it. It's just the practicing of it on a regular basis. Yeah. Is sometimes you forget. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, and I'm not saying this is a sin situation. And I didn't have the Lord rebuke me one time in everything He pointed out that was completely inadequate. <laughs> There, I don't think this is a rebuke-oriented thing or a punishment-oriented thing or a, that. Uh, I think it is a being convinced. So uh, to your point, think about 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where it talks about spiritual warfare. And uh, the one little element that's central to that is it says that we're casting down vain imaginations that exalt themselves against, and a lot of translations read the knowledge of God, which is not a bad translation. But I was—I remember reading in the Loanita uh, lexicon several years ago, and they pointed out that the construction of that use of that Gnosko family of words, that particular one, it, it would have been very accurate to say noticing. In other words, here's God in and with us, and we don't notice it because there's there's. Vain, false imaginations. Well, what are those imaginations like? What I realized, and what the Lord's been helping me understand, is that when I worry about the future, or when I imagine a situation that's going to go bad, I have to create it. I have to imagine it in my head without Jesus there with me. And he said, that's a vain imagination because I'm never not there with you. So you have to create, you have to use your God-given image-bearing status to create a future scenario in which I have no ability to be with you. So it's funny you say that because this week, I call it entertaining other voices. Ah, yeah. Well, and now think about this. Jesus promises, you know, uh, my sheep hear my voice. The voice of a stranger, they won't follow. I had a big lesson with him that same way. I, I, I thought... That I read that scripture my whole life, and I thought it, it said, I didn't really think it said it, but I just glazed over it. I thought it said, uh, the uh, voice of a stranger they won't hear. And then it dawned on me. The Lord said, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say what you think. And I read it again. I go, oh. He says, you feel guilty when you hear another voice, like you're sinning or like you've left an opening or you've created something. But that's ridiculous. Just don't follow it. 
It was cool. Vicki? That's good, Dave. So uh, with what you said, Dave, about uh, hearing other, entertaining other voices, sometimes it's not the enemy that you're entertaining. It's, it's the voice of multiple people crying out for, for help or whatever. And this week, you know, with Israel and Hamas and all like that. Um, so I was um, on Facebook and a couple of people were like, please be praying for me. I'm having surgery. Um, you know, my life sucks right now. You know, and I was like, wow, Lord. You know, it's like overwhelming how many people need prayer or they need encouragement or something like that. And I was getting into this mode of like, okay, i got to pray for them. And Lord, don't let me forget, you know, and da 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 and um, today, I was just like, okay, I can't keep doing this because I don't feel like you're with me in it, Lord. And so I just started asking the Lord, who do you want me to pray for? Yeah. Because the reality is, is we could be praying 24-7 and never change anything because we're doing it without Jesus. And yet, if we just do the one or two or three that he says, what if that changes everything? Yeah. You know, like when you walk into the room, everything changes. And so I, I just think it's a matter of us, you know, doing the the listening and the hearing and not allowing those those vain, you know, things to come into our brains voices, and overwhelm yeah. us. Yeah. Because it seems very spiritual, but it really isn't. Yeah, and you know, even even the accumulation of overwhelming circumstances, if if you can slow down a little bit and envision Jesus being in that position. Uh, he probably wouldn't be overwhelmed. Now, there was a point when maybe the disciples couldn't know that because he was walking to Jerusalem to be crucified, to be betrayed. But having gotten through all of that and come out the other side demonstrably victorious, demonstrably on top of it, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go, and I'll be with you every day until the end of the age. Yeah. There's also a saying that says worrying is imagining the future without the goodness of God. Yeah, yeah, without that goodness, without his presence, without his power, without his care. Another thing that the Lord told me uh, was he said, you have to, uh, if, if, if you're imagining bearing a responsibility alone, you have to assume that I am indifferent to you in the circumstance. But he said, Love is never indifferent. By definition, love is not indifferent. And, you know, we, we love imperfectly so we can be distracted and it'll appear like, you know, I'm reading the paper while Vicky's talking to me or she's listening to podcasts while I'm, hey there. <laughs> that's not indifference. That's humanity. That's, you know, uh, anyway. So let's just power through a couple of scriptures and then we'll be done and ready for the rest of your feedback. So I broke these into two, two lists. I've got them on the board. Uh, one is these are the things Jesus says about himself that have some something to say to this. I'm not going to do a lot of teaching. In the, I don't think these are scriptures that need much teaching, honestly. Uh, so John 6, 29, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. The reason I included this in the Jesus with us is if you remember that word is ace, and ace literally means into. 
it's a starting point moving into something else. So Jesus, in answer to what do we have to do to work the works of God, Jesus said, believe into me. Now, this was before the, the resurrection, before all that stuff, so I don't know where that plays. He could have been speaking in a future tense situation or just knowing what was coming. Or I, I don't know how to... But the into part is really important. It's not just belief in. And maybe, Ronnie, that's another, another thing that I would consider like an upgrade in belief, is a belief in as, a, as, a, as an agreement versus in as an engagement. So I believe you're with me, Jesus, but I'm going to go figure this out on my own. Uh, but now I want, to, I want to get to the place in my own life where I believe you're in me. So I'm actually willing to pause for a second and say, my brain is racing trying to find a solution. I'm going to quiet it and see if I can hear what you see and what you're doing. That, that would be like an upgrade in my, in my belief in those terms. Uh, next one is, is John 6. Uh, 52 through 55, I think it is, 56, there it is. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? This is when Jesus was saying, you know, eat my flesh. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. And then that second phrase I don't know why that didn't stand out to me the way it does now. Every time that we engage Jesus in communion, it is not only a sign of us being in him, but like he said in John 14, 20, of him being in us. And of course, that makes sense. If it's his body and you eat it, he's in you. If it's his blood and you drink it, he's in you. So there's something, there's some emphasis. All I'm trying to say is by these verses that don't directly speak to that, Jesus is... Uh, I forgot how to use this. Here we go. Um, yeah. Actually, I had to re-put in all my password stuff because it forgot that I used the device. All right, John 12, 32. This one is, is an interesting one because I want you to start looking at it. Because remember, the other thing Jesus said, and we'll get into that in a little bit over in John 14, is he was talking about the Holy Spirit and us not being orphans and that the Holy Spirit's going to be in us and with us. And then he told the disciples uh, at the time of the Great Commission, I'm going to be with you. So with is an important word. And um, I'd never associated it in this context before. So it, it, uh, he says, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Now you say, why did you put that for with? Because the word used there is pros. It's the same word that's used in the, in the beginning of the Gospel of John. And the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word was God, pros. And uh, for me, Owen and Baxter Kruger's exegesis of that, and then digging into the Greek myself, I, I know that's true. Pros means in close proximity, face to face. It's with. And that's why it's translated, he was with God and he was God. This word is with. So think about the, the difficulty that led to translating it to. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Now, don't you have an image of men being at varying distances away from Jesus on the cross and then being sucked toward him? Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it does. But what the word is, actually, is they will be with me. I will, And the word is drag. So it's not a casual pulling. It's a dragging and embracing 
And, and, there's, and then later, Paul obviously understood it somewhat like that. We'll see because, because it talks about that we are uh, in him, in his, we were in him in his baptism. We were in him in his resurrection. We were in, you know, all that kind of stuff. So again, I just think there's a consistent thing here as Jesus was revealing what was coming through his death and resurrection to us and to the disciples. It was a union. It was being with, being with. Uh, John 14, 16 through 20, I included the, the whole scope of that because it includes also the Spirit. I will ask the Father, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Now that is an astounding statement. I'll ask the Father, and he's going to give you another helper, Alos, like me. And in a minute, he says, I won't uh, leave you as an orphan. I'm coming to you. So there is this equity in the person of the Holy Spirit, in the person of Jesus, in this concept of being with and in and coming and being sent and all this. So whatever culminated in uh, between the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and Pentecost, fulfilled this promise, and he will be with us forever. Now, the most I had ever uh, attached to that, really, was when I was learning about, uh, you know, the marriage feast of the Lamb, and I asked the question one time, I see the Father hosting the, the banquet, I see that Jesus is the groom, where's the Holy Spirit? And the answer was obvious, the Holy Spirit is in us, making us the bride, <laughs> you know. Okay, so anyway, that one, I'll be with you ever. That's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So keep in mind that that phrase leads in to the conclusion phrases that we focus on when we talk about 1420. I, so think about that. Because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I'm in you. And I would say to us, shame on us, and I don't think anybody in this room does this, shame on us if you push this to a, to a return of Jesus timeline. That is not what he's talking about. He is talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit coming by the Spirit. Paul talks about Jesus becoming a life-giving Spirit. You know, the first Adam was something, the second Adam is a life-giving Spirit. All right, got it? Okay, go ahead. I just noticed something tonight. Um, many, no, go back, please. Back to where we were. Um, many times... I wondered what does in that day mean? And there's a clue to it right here. He says, after a little while, the world will no longer see me. And it could be as simple as... He's dead and gone. He's not there mm -hmm. to see. And in that day that he's not there to see, you will know that I am in my Father. Yeah. I don't think it's a far-off day. I think it's a day that was fulfilled in all of the events surrounding the work of Christ and the resurrection, obviously. I mean, we have to believe that, I think, anyway. But yeah, good observation, right? Uh, okay, so now, the next little bit here. Uh, where is that? 
Okay, so uh, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, uh, what then happened that you were going to disclose yourself to us, not the world? And Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode in him. The only criteria here is the whole uh, keep my word, Father love. I don't know exactly what that means, but what, I'm, what I do know it means is that the intention and the purpose of Jesus revealing the Father, rising, and the Holy Spirit coming, this is just following those same verses, is that both Jesus himself and the Father abides in us. So there we are. And, you know, I've been writing, I've been starting my journals with Papa or Father, and you've been starting yours with Daddy, long enough that we're probably convinced that we have direct access to the Father. Right? Because he's with us. That's I, I am. And so I, I really would hope that we could all kind of get there. Okay, the next one, uh, a little bit further on, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Did you realize that that was the context of the uh, branch and the vine teaching in 15.1? I mean, I did. You know, the branch can't do it. But it's, it's the whole thing. It's another declaration of I'm in you and you're in me. Jesus absolutely believed this. He knew it to be true. Because see, the things Jesus believes, they are true. <laughs> Just in, in case that connection slips by us sometimes. He doesn't speak propositions. He doesn't speak doctrine. He reveals the truth because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So, um, Abide in me, and uh, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Now, let me tell you, the one potentially impure motive that I have, and I mean the one mercenary element that I'm excited about, about pursuing this awakening, this upgrade of belief, this, this cognizance of Jesus' presence with us, is that I'm tired of uh, being confronted with needs praying for them and not seeing them find their way. Now, I'm not holding God hostage in this because I, I, I've grown to understand because I understand what it means to be an image bearer a little bit better than I used to. I've grown to understand that we uh, God's not going to lift off of us the reason we were created. And therefore, if we present him with an arm's length opportunity, to confirm that we're really not image bearers and that he's really not with us, he can't validate that. And he has to let creation remain frustrated until the revealing of the glory of the sons of God. And I think there's no better opportunity or path to having our glory revealed than to recognize and live in harmony and partnership and awareness with the fact that Jesus is living in me and in you. Make sense? Okay. Um, where are we at? Okay, John 17. This is a censure for me uh, relative to what, what Jesus says. I mean, he's praying to the Father, right? Listen, Just listen to what he says. I do not ask... Is that up there? No, got to go. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they 
may also be in us. Now, the first part, if you left that last phrase off, he would be saying, you and I need to expect to be as close as he and the Father are. That's astounding enough. But that last phrase plugs into it that they're in us. Which, of course, reinforces what he said just a little bit earlier in the conversation before he started praying. The Father and I will come make our abode in you. They're in us. We're in them. That's not all, though. So that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which I've given you, which you've given to me, I've given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. And then he reiterates what that means. So what does it mean that you and I may be one, or the body may be one, as he is one? It means this, I in them and you, Father, in me. So all that Jesus is in the Father, he has brought with himself into us. That's what he's saying in John 14, 20. And now he's praying it. As close as Jesus is to the Father, as intimate as he is to the Father, as much authority as he shares with the Father, that is all in us in some way. In a real, and I'm suggesting, in a real, literal, experiential way. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity. The world may know you sent me and love me even as you have loved me. Love them even as you love me. Father, I also desire that they be with me where I am. I don't really know what that means. But if he's innocent and we're in him, that makes sense. So that adds some context to what Paul says when he says that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. And it also adds tremendous context to what Paul said, that the mystery that's been hidden from ages, for ages, is Christ in you the hope of glory. Again, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay. Um, goes on, O righteous Father, although the world has not known you yet, I have known you and these have known that you sent me and I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you love me may be in them. Now that's pretty cool. But he adds again, and I in them. So I just think it's worth believing. Okay, now, let's jump over here at Matthew 18. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth as anything they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. I included that one because that is one of the declarations Jesus made about being in our midst, uh, and, and it reaches beyond just us as individuals, that I know I dumbed down to, uh, to like an impartation of authority or something when we get together in agreement and prayer as opposed to it literally being the presence of Jesus. So every time we think about that now, I'm going to sing, when you walk into the room, everything changes, because we'll just agree. I think that his presence is clearly there in us together and in the midst. Uh, and I understand why people allow this to stay remote or something. Yes, Vicki? So it says, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am in their midst, the Mount of Transfiguration. You have you have Moses and and um, yeah, and, then, uh, and there's Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Whatever. So who is in whose midst? And and there you have it in the scriptures. And so our expectation should be that that happens with us. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you look ahead a little bit, you can read in the Book of Acts where they prayed and the whole place was shaken. 
you know, and the Spirit came, and Jesus the hand, you know, went out through the hands of the apostles and all that kind of stuff with us, with us. Okay, um, Matthew 28, this is the Great Commission. Uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead, Alan, or Adam. Sorry, one note on that. It's kind of interesting that um, the majority of the miracles and wonders that the apostles and the believers worked in the New Testament took place when there was at least two of them present. I mean, there's a there's a yeah. there's a couple of exceptions to that. You might have Paul shaking off the the snake or whatnot, uh-huh, uh-huh. but uh, even Peter and all those. So I think there's at, not to downplay him inside each of us, but I think it's Amplified. somehow more oh, together. Yeah. yeah. So just yeah, kinda, yeah. I hadn't really put that together before, but if you look at it, it's almost always at least a pair. Uh huh. So yeah. that's cool. And he sent them out two by two. That was the original commission with the ten and then the, the seventy. Uh, yeah, this is this is a, this is a one another thing as well as an individual thing, for sure. Uh, okay, so great commission. The, the context: uh, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all I command, and love. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, uh, in the Kingdom New Testament from N.T. Wright, he, he says, "And look, I will be with you every day." until the end of the age. And the power statement in the Great Commission is what? I will be with you. Not the command to go do something. I will be with you. Seriously, that's got to be the power statement. We have to start thinking of it in that terms. I will be with you when you make disciples. I will be with you when you baptize. I will be with you when you cast out devils. Or jump over to what he was saying in Mark. I will be with you when you tread on scorpions and you uh, tread on snakes. And and I will be with you. Okay. Uh, Luke, go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. And then here's what happens when we do that. The one who listens to you listens to me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. He who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. Do you see how Jesus was speaking in the context of what he knew to be true that he had declared in John 14, 20? In that day, you'll know that I'm in my Father. You're in me and I'm in you. So when you're going, and if somebody rejects you, they're rejecting me. Now, maybe that opens the door that even if Jesus himself shows up, people can still reject or resist. You know, it happened in his incarnation. It might still happen in his resurrection. But nevertheless, it reinforces, don't you think, the idea that if, if I'm going and somebody is dealing in a certain way, they're dealing with Jesus. Now, the flip side, the positive side, is when Jesus was telling those people, when you have, you know, Lord, when did we see you in prison or see you sick or without clothing? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Now, again, I'd always thought of that as some administrative connection, not a presence. But I believe it's a presence. At least I'm going to explore the heck out of it in that way. Okay, now we're almost done with this because the next ones are what? Other writers said, the first of whom is John. And this is just something I want to point out to you. 
And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten, from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word there is the Greek word, ain. I'm sorry that it's translated among, because ain simply means in. Now you can extrapolate it to that. I was in the town. That meant I was among the people of the town, yes. But the, the ain word means in. And so what really is said there, in its most simple form, and the word became flesh and dwelt in us. And we saw his glory as of the only begotten. And he tabernacled. And then that one goes, and I don't know if it's among or in. I'll have to look it up later. Now we get into the ones in 1 Corinthians, uh, the in Christ concept. By his doing, you are all in Christ. And then because of being in him, he became wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 in Adam all die, in Christ all be made alive. So in Christ, there's a lot more studying that could be done about that. And then 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So that's the in part. Uh, Colossians is the other part. Uh, gets down in, in the last verse or so. And uh, to whom God will to make known why the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. and then. Paul's talking about his ministry. He says, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. So Paul operated between those two statements in the same knowledge that Jesus said in that day, you will know that I'm in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. Okay? Make sense? And then... Uh, Okay, this one is the most complicated one for me in Colossians 2. Oh, yeah, thank you. So, uh, all those underlying passages, um, nope, next page. There we go. All those, those uh, well, I didn't do it on that one. It's okay. Uh, First of all, in verse 9, a statement is made about the nature of Jesus. In him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Let me ask you a question. Can you conceive of a sentence structure designed to more specifically emphasize that we're literally talking about Jesus being in the Father and the Father being in him? All the, the fullness of the deity in bodily form. There's no ambiguity here. Everything that God is was in Jesus in bodily form. Now, do we believe that? Was it God walking the earth incarnate? I think so. Did the Father have his fatherly existence as an independent thing that was still in union? Yes, I think so. Did the Holy, you know, same thing with the Holy Spirit. But, but, God fully invested everything in Jesus. And then, the very next statement, and in him you have been made complete. That's not even a future tense. It's not even a progressively stated sentence. 
Everything that God is was manifest bodily in Jesus. And you're in Him, and that's why you're complete. This is one of those places, Ronnie, where I think upgrade might be the right word for the belief. Because if we can connect, if our faith can connect us with the reality, not of some journey that we're on to be closer to God, but that we are beginning by virtue of everything that God invested in Christ, we are beginning as having been made complete in Him. Then it's just a matter of waking up to it, learning how to use it, learning how to believe it, learning how not to hear the other voices give us alternatives, how not to imagine a future where this isn't true, how not to imagine a present where this isn't true, if we have been made complete in Him, and all the fullness of the Godhead, deity, is invested in Christ in bodily form, then the incarnation, the fact that He's the Son of God and the Son of Man, the incarnation becomes incredibly important. The fact that He said, I will drag all with me when I'm on the cross, when I'm lifted up, I want to drag you with me. The fact that Paul goes on to say you're buried with him in baptism, raised with him in his resurrection. There's more to us in Christ than we've been accustomed to living. And he made you alive together with him and so on. So, in conclusion, uh, how seriously and how literally should we read, hear, and believe and rely on the possibility that Jesus really is in me? and with me every minute, every place, and when facing every circumstance in my everyday life right here and now. And so, I welcome some of you to come up here and answer that question. Well, needless to say, you're really touching on the material that I love. <laughs> yeah. This has been uh, my scripture for, what, at least three or four years yeah, now. absolutely. And it was revelation to me. Uh, I had no doubt about it after I read it and God revealed it. But I'm just realizing something else that you covered tonight. It says, he who rejects you rejects me, Jesus saying. And I am somebody who years ago had a rejection spirit and I was delivered from a rejection spirit. But I'm realizing even rejecting yourself, you're rejecting Jesus. Yeah. You need to be delivered from a rejection spirit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that was revelation tonight when I heard you read that scripture. I said, wow. Oh my gosh, that's where yeah. I was. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. What form does that rejection take? Does it take self criticism? Does it take dismissing your 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 hope? Uh letting those kind of things go? Yeah. So I want to challenge us Good. beyond this, okay? Well wait then. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to just be the sole purpose of your challenge. There you go. <laughs> so you come around here. Oh, you get, and, and, and you can see them right up there. Okay. All right, so she's facing you guys on Zoom. All right. Now, I was reading out of the Passion, which is the one that I always uh -huh. read. And this is First uh, John 14, and it says, and so the living expression, and really that word there is just an expansion of Christ. 
the way they translated it was living expression, became a man and lived among us. Now, I know that's supposed to be in and it's not supposed to be, it's supposed to be in us. That's okay. Yeah. Well, we're okay. In he became a man. Well, which was very interesting is the footnote says became visible. So if he is here, he's in us and we are in him. Can't we expect we are going to see him as well? I, I want to err in favor of that, even if there's yes. some reason that I don't understand that we're not gonna. Yeah. Yeah, I want I want to expect to see Paul did. Yeah. He's visible. Yeah. He's visible. Yeah. We believe and receive. No, I I fully believe he is visible. Yeah. I think he can become visible anytime you look at somebody and you look with intent to really that like Jesus is in you. And um just like a quick little reference to that, because it just it just like really struck me hearing this whole thing. It brought back this memory. Um I was with Sterling once and there was this homeless guy. And I had just had this revelation of just like, yeah, the, the aspect of just so many things that this church talks about, and specifically what it was that night. I can't remember what I woke up with, but um, so I was like, okay, Lord, I want to approach this person through this new revelation of how I'm supposed to see people and what am I supposed to do? And I didn't have what he wanted. But I knew that what I had was something more. And so I, I kept asking, can I pray for you? But he, he didn't really want that. And then finally he goes, okay. And when I closed my eyes, I could feel the heavy presence of the Holy Spirit. It's like both of us felt it. Like when I finally did open up my eyes, like I don't even really remember what I prayed. But we both felt it. And then I looked at that man and I just remember thinking, I, I don't, I, his eyes didn't look like that before. And I could swear I was looking straight at Jesus' eyes. And I was so, so shaken by that encounter. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I remember the Lord confirming that. No, nope, that, you saw me. Wow. So uh, earlier this week, I got hit with a dose of some really bad news. Well, I'm not going to call it bad news. Romans 8.28, we don't get bad news. <laughs> but uh, the FedEx job did not happen. And when I found that out, I felt like a broken person. And I immediately went and talked to Daddy about it. But tonight you made me think of something. That brokenness had to get through daddy to get to me. Uh -huh. And I thought to myself, well, is that, is that a, is that a bad thing? And then I thought about Yeshua when he found out about Lazarus. He, he, he cried when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so I don't know what to I don't know what to do with that yet. I don't know how to work with that. That Yeshua felt maybe he felt like me. 
or I felt like him. Yeah. And that didn't mean that he wasn't in me or he was distant or something like that. But the end of that is, as I was talking to daddy, (laughs) as he always does, he brought me out of that. Yeah. He brought me out of that broken. I'm telling you, I was, I was, I, I wasn't not believing in daddy, but I was doubting everything about me. Yeah. I was doubting what I'm, well, daddy is, 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 am I, am I seeing this or am I getting this wrong or am I hearing this? And that got back to the entertaining other voices. Mm-hmm. And so daddy, he brought me out. It's, it's so incredible. He, 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 he kicked me out of lovingly. He kind of kicked me out of thinking about me and into doing things for other people. And that's what Yeshua did when he was resurrected, when he got up out of that grave. He's on, he's on the beach cooking fish for the guys. <laughs> and, and so that concreted the peace that he gave me because as I was sitting on the picnic table talking to him, and I mean, it was a very frank conversation. Mm-hmm. I wasn't screaming and hollering and everything like that, but I was just letting daddy know that this is. And, and just feeling that gradual peace, just feeling myself being drawn out of that. And <laughs> the, the, um, and daddy puts, he puts, like a cherry on top of stuff sometimes. <laughs> that just it just makes your heart just giggle. So I'm sitting there and I'm I'm in peace. I don't have any answers. I have no answers whatsoever. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the future holds, but I am so peaceful. I'm so at peace. And I'm sitting there and I'm still talking to daddy and I get interrupted by uh Wheel. A cat, Boots. Boots and I, 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 I go out in the morning and I pray and I call Boots and I carry him around while I'm praying. And so I'm sitting on the table and I'm, I'm, I'm in this state of peace and I hear this wham and I turn around and hear Boots is running towards me. A cat, not a dog, a cat. Hops up on the picnic table and jumps up in my lap and just makes herself just as comfortable as she wants to be. And I said, <laughs> wow, daddy, <laughs> that's cool. That is cool. I had the same experience with Cassie this morning. I was wrestling through one of those, uh, one of those deals. Uh, I was confronted with some insecurity, even literally about trying to bring this, you know, and uh, Cassie was very insistent. She ran down the stairs. She made me feed her. She jumped up in my lap, just lay there. And the Lord started talking to me about, this is all it really requires. This is all it really requires. And there's something, Dave, about uh, what I mean by that idea of God not being willing or able to validate false things we concoct about ourselves or about Him. He couldn't give in to the false narrative you would have been willing to receive. He couldn't do it. So, 
and, 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 and so partly it's encouraging you out of it, but partly it's just, I know who you are. And I, I, I won't violate that. I, I, you know, we'll go through this difficulty together, but one way to get through it without it hurting so much is I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you deny who, who you are and what your worth is. Yeah. So Larry, our spiritual facilitator, <laughs> has brought out a question for us, and I want you all to read it with me. I mean, you don't have to read it out loud, but it's the one how seriously and how literally. So it's that same question at the bottom of page three. How seriously and how literally should we read, hear, believe, and rely on the possibility? And when I saw the word possibility, in my mind, I scratched it out and I put in the reality. Amen. Rely on the reality that Jesus is really in me and with me every minute, etc. So there's another part of it that I just, when it was first read, I started thinking, this is the way Larry, our spiritual facilitator, facilitator has run on sentences. It's just what he does. And this particular one, I mean, look at the freaking title on that thing. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. So, but... We can break them up. We can break them up into but, No, the, oh, what okay. I was going to get out of it is we can look at it and says, how seriously and how literally should we read? And then just stop there. The reality. You know, we're reading in Scripture uh -huh. the reality. And then we can go back and approach it here, the reality and listen for God to tell us, and then believe the reality. In other words, each and every one of those words, stop, do that, let that part sink in, and when we feel that it has done enough of its work, then we move on to the next one. So it's something, it's not just to be glossed over that there's a whole bunch of things in order. That's good. That's a really good But point. each one of those, whichever God is working with you at that moment, Focus on that one and see how that just digs in. And then when you're done with that, go to the next one. And possibly, I'll use the word possibly, that could be a way that we can upgrade our understanding of this stuff. Because yeah. while we're doing it, we're actually engaging with God in us. That engagement is really cool. One of the things we encountered a little bit on our sabbatical was we just talked to people and other, other things. And oh yeah, sorry guys. Um, so you you know the um, that that expression, which is supposed to be like a real earnest disciples expression. I believe this because the Bible says it. I'm all for believing because the Bible says it, but I don't think the Bible says anything that we're supposed to believe that doesn't lead to an engagement with Christ. And so to me, I love what you said. Yeah, let's read this and take it seriously. Okay, well, the reading part of this is settled. Now let's listen. Okay, Lord, I, I, I need to hear you. He'll talk. My sheep hear my voice, right? Now let's engage it. Let's experience it. And whether it's some silly thing like I told you guys about finding the dirt for the septic tank or... Jesus, uh, your, your encounter with the guy on the street. See, nobody can ever take that away from you if you don't let them. Never. And you don't need that many of those to really be weird. 
and really committed. You don't. It doesn't take that many. Weird, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Right? I mean, I mean that in the most affectionate way. How many times does Jesus have to do something amazing in and with you if you'll keep it in your mind? How many times does he have to say something to you to where you're just not, it, it's real. You're not talking, you know, you don't talk out of it. And then once, and this is what I, I've, I learned on the sabbatical. He likes just hanging out, resting or doing nothing with me, with almost the same fervency as doing something spiritual. And I, that's still something I'm learning, practically. Zoomers, anybody got anything? Yeah, come on. Hi, got a good name. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this because I have a translation going in my head, but the one I I need to say it with this. So one of the other things we we heard over and over, complete, 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 and Second uh, Corinthians ten uh, three through five. That we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Do you know what the next verse says? And we are ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is complete. Oh my gosh. That is an inferred authority and an inferred engagement with Christ. Where else would that come from? That's not just some religious hierarchy speaking. Wow. Yeah, Don. Um, it's sort of interesting. Uh, two things that I heard this week. Um, one about um, Christ said that if you have a faith of mustard seed, you say this mountain. And when I heard a message was the mountain is 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 me. And and I'm hearing this tonight, these vain imaginations. Um, that was one thing. And then Tuesday night, when your discussion was consuming fire. That was that was really really interesting is not something that is negative but something that is positive to burn out like those vain imaginations so the third thing i was going to uh, share with you is that or th three things um the, well you you talked about you know the, the thing about not being a journey but you know anyway for the last um, two years or so, I have not received a tax refund from the IRS. And um, that's one issue. And for 
um, this year, um, I'm planning on selling and, and moving in your direction physically. However, um, uh, in uh, 2015, I bought this property here in Iowa so I could be close to family here. Uh, at least the children, well, ch and uh, the property was pristine. Over the, these, uh, since, um, and uh, I've had, every year I've been using these tax refunds to do upgrading on the house or the building, you know, doing repairs. Well, there's been an issue that's been going on actually from 2016 that I've been now trying to uh, have it repaired. And this year, this year, I got a little more diligent and I've talked to, to five uh, repair people. Some have promised to come by, never have shown. Um, but to bring this to a short uh, and I've this is I've experienced this before, but finally I've come to the conclusion that um, like Dave, um, Lord, if you don't do it, if you don't, if, if I'm I'm totally frustrated, and that frustration is because of probably vain imaginations or whatever. But I came to the conclude. I came to this place where, Lord, I'm I'm solely frustrated with with uh, this experience of trying to get um, repair people to to, and not only this repair people, but I've had believers tell me they're going to do certain things, and it doesn't happen. And that's sort of frustrating to me a little bit. But anyway, that, that but anyway, so it's 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 come to this place. And then when I took when I came to that conclusion about the repair this week, one of those five gentlemen came to my house, and we've got something going. And so, Christ in you, and I believe this strongly, but I think I personally can get sidetracked with this thing of of having these ideas in my head about how it should go and it when it doesn't you know it gets sort of get disappointed or or you don't you don't see Jesus in the other people and things like that so I just just I share this um as an experience of of um a, a senior citizen <laughs> or something like that but um yeah uh i've just and and it's not about and here's the other thing i've learned that it's been freeing it's not about performance not about my performance it's about christ a performance in and through me are one of the most blinding things to this reality, I think. Um, 
They're just almost by nature artificial. So would somebody feel like you, you could pray this to a conclusion? Father, I know that you've changed me in undescribable ways by the ability for me to know that you are in me. And I thank you that you've given me that gift. And I pray that you would touch each and every person that hears and sees this in the future and is hearing it now. That you would touch them in a way that relates to them specifically so that they would be able to experience and know, the Gnosko know, the experiential know, you in them. In many different aspects of their lives, and in the main one that I would call for is in your love for them. That they would experience that love in such a way that they're dumbfounded by it. Just amazed. And I also ask for your communication to be clear and guiding and encouraging all the things that it really is to be in us and that it would solidify the things that you have shown to us, that we would know they really are from you. And it would, and it would bring forth the new things, the life that you want for us to have, and the life that you bring into us, that it would be uh, nourished and grown by your guidance and by your love. And I ask for these things by the name of Jesus, in and through him, in us, he will complete. Amen. 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 So one of the things that we, we uh, are, I really appreciate you guys engaging tonight. Thank you. And uh, I, I don't know how this is necessarily going to go, but we'll keep doing stuff like this. I don't know what we're going to do with worship right now. Laurel's coming out. Uh, yeah, I think Vicki just went back there. She uh, She's listening to the Lord. Did you guys enjoy last week? It was so fun. Okay, so I got to confess, you know, having your, having your folks here knowing they're a little bit more conservative, I was, I was thinking, wow, I wonder what they're going to think about that. But when we got over there, and then when Jason finally knocked me backwards over the thing, I, your mom and dad just were enjoying the heck out of it. It was super. So again, we can trust we can trust him with us and in us. And you're right. Uh, one of the things we're going to for sure explore is what is the multiplier when we do these things with one another? It, there is one, no doubt. No doubt.